Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City. Once again, from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I have dispatches from New York City, Andrew, uh, that are pertaining to what we talked about in the last pod with Al Nasser. <laughs> there, just tonight, an animal was in a bar drinking in, in the Queens area, Woodside, Sunnyside. Yeah, and he was in the bar and I, to the right there was kid, I guess there was a restaurant part of the bar and you could see a kid with, with his siblings wearing an Al Nasser Ronaldo jersey here we go how does this make and you feel this make me feel great um, but this is just one person this might be some Saudi plant who is um no, it, it, I, I mean, think it's real. It's not a play. I don't. Oh, no, no. I'm sure this kid wanted a Ronaldo jersey. I mean, up until recently, Ronaldo was, you know, he was such a huge figure. And um, yeah, but it doesn't mean that kid's tuning in and watch, watching. It doesn't mean that kid's absorbing and thinking, I'd love to go on vacation there. It doesn't mean that kid. But you're right. It is. But it, it, but is. it also means that he might be. I don't know. They're on his radar in a way that they were not a year ago. That is that is true. Um, what's on the radar of this great podcast? Well, I, real quick, along those lines, I should tell you, because I don't know if we talked about this on the pod, and I meant to tell you. Um, when I was in Disney World, not that that's like, like a hard and fast, okay, like, uh, like a great gauge of necessarily what's popular. However, it's a, it's a pretty strong cross-section of... America, almost of the world, 
I think mm. you get people from no, I mean you get people from all across the country who are there. Like it's an it's an international vacation destination. Okay, so you kind of get like an idea of of what's popular in certain sense in a certain sense. Of all the, I saw a lot of jerseys while I was there. Um, I saw you know it's in the south, so I saw a, a few Ronald Acuna baseball jerseys. Kobe Bryant jerseys are still popular. Saw some of those. JJ, what I saw more than any other jersey across all major sports. And it's not even close, not even remotely close. Messi. Most of them enter my most of them enter Miami jerseys. Now, granted, oh. I wasn't I was in Florida, so that is part of it. As as international as the destination is, I was in Florida. But tons and tons of inter Miami jerseys, tons of Messi Argentina jerseys. I saw PSG Messi jerseys. I did not see a Barcelona Messi jersey. Take for that up what you will. But the amount it was not whoever was second. Across all major sports, uh, maybe it was Acuna, maybe it was LeBron. I don't remember exactly, but it wasn't close. It was messy, and that dwarfed any other jersey that I saw while I was there. Thought that was interesting. I think, I think that I think geographically, considering everything that's happened since December, this makes sense. It does make sense. He's and still his his popularity is immense. It was immense, and you know, closing out that World Cup and now coming to America is. It's only inflated it. Yeah. And I think I actually saw, I think I was reading today, actually, that uh, when his jersey was released for Inter Miami, it broke Fanatics, the jersey, the the sports merchandise company. It broke their 24-hour sale for a player's jersey across well, all I sports. Some, I saw someone posting that they wanted to get their, you know, obviously their jersey with Messi on the back of it, their Inter Miami jersey. And um, this was on Twitter now, so I don't know if it's still the case. And they were told, yes, it will arrive by Thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, that sounds crazy, but when you see how popular an item it is, eh, maybe not. Um, also popular, the podcast that we're about to do. People are going to love this podcast, JJ. Uh, we're going to do our own talk, a little bit of Women's World Cup later on in the show, a little bit of transfer stuff going on. But JJ, the, the golden ticket item, you had the chance uh, a couple days ago at the Empire State Building of all destinations to sit down with with Premier League legend Michael Owen. And it is such an awesome conversation. I, I can't wait to get to it. We'll get to that in a few minutes, and then we'll, we'll have some conversation afterwards. It, it was so good, and I can't wait for all of you guys out there to hear it as well. I mean, for me to... If you told 15-year-old me you were going to sit on a sofa in in the green room in the Empire State Building, relaxed, and interview Mike Lone, I would have I would have said, You're drunk, get out. Um, but I I was there and it was yeah, I can't wait for people to listen to it. And I honestly I wish I wish I'd been greedy and just stayed longer and, and really pushed the boat out because in fairness, the media people, both Michael Owens, Premier League and um and the Empire State, Bu- State Building people were great with me. So I didn't want to abuse my time. Right. But um, yeah, I wish I'd only stayed longer. I had so many more things to say. Well, it's great. We're going to get to it in a few minutes. So either wait for it or fast forward right now. Whatever you want to do, I-, I-, I condone it. You should timestamp this one, Andrew. There's been demand for timestamps. From who? From From an animal. You do it. I don't know how to. Uh, let's see. All right, let's get into the show. We'll get to Owen in a, in a couple minutes here. But first, JJ, speaking of Al Nasser, uh, we should mention right off the bat here, Sadio Mane will be a teammate of Cristiano Ronaldo's. 34 million pounds per season, 650,000 pounds per week. Uh, 
And this is coming off of what was essentially a poor season for him in the Bundesliga, both on the yeah. field and then punched a teammate off of it in Leroy Sané. Um, but I think what we've learned from what's going on in Saudi Arabia is that performance doesn't necessarily matter. It's the name brand that matters and the credibility that that lends itself to what they're trying to do. And Sadio Mane certainly brings credibility. He is still, I mean, I don't know what you make of last season, but I, I still look at him as somebody who's kind of at the tail end of their prime still, you know, two years ago, it felt like he was a Ballon d'Or candidate. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's somebody who probably could have gone off if he wanted to leave Bayern, he probably could have gone to any number of places, maybe even a reunion with Liverpool. I, I would have, I wouldn't have been stunned if maybe they would have been interested in bringing him back. So uh, another, uh, what can you say? Another huge get for that league. Massive in terms of what you're talking about. And I wonder, not that Sadio Mane being a practicing Muslim and playing in Saudi Arabia is going to entice Mohamed Salah, but mm. you would think you would think that um, the world's most famous Egyptian, like I said, a Muslim, like getting him to that league would be such a coup. And Liverpool are already talking. I mean, Klopp has talked about, can we get the Saudi league to because their transfer window goes beyond the start of the Premier League. And so people are concerned about hemorrhaging any more players. Now, I don't think Salah will go right now, um, but at some point he may. And and I'm sure overtures will be made to him. And so that's a concern too. Um, so it's, 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 very, it's very interesting. And I think like what I totally agree with what you said, it's not actually that Mane is that good anymore. Well, we we don't know that. We well, we're going going on the. He he was he was injured for part of last year. He just didn't fit. Like I I would still like. He'd probably be fine in that. He'd probably be fine in that league. So, um, it's about it's about the perception. It's about it's about the name, and it's about what that means for the league. Um, another another scalp. Oh, actually, shouldn't considering I'm talking about Saudi Arabia. Maybe I need to watch my language a little bit more closely. Another another big brand. A blockbuster name is, yeah. is is essentially what's happening here, and they've they've tallied up a lot of them. I mean, it's yeah, they've they're they, not they, watching it. They have made no, I'm I'm not either, but they have made an impact in a way that you know, even I in the beginning of this said they're not in this for just Ronaldo. Like this is they're they're going live golf here. Um, this is probably more than I even would have thought with what they've done yeah. so quickly. And this is JJ. This is the first year. I mean, like this is only the tip of the iceberg. It's I know I, this is I know. this is a big deal. Honestly, it's a big deal. People can't mm. put in their their head in the sand on this. It's going to be happening I'm, every window. I I still think there's a couple of challenges to be met. These players have to live there, right? And True. have to live there longer than a year. I mean, I see a lot of players going for a short time and then getting out of there. I really do see that happening. It's. I mean, one of the conversations about Jordan Henderson going there was that he could stay in, in an adjoining, more liberal, slightly, well, not slightly, but more liberal country in Bahrain. So, like, you know, it's it's still Saudi Arabia. It's still not the Champions League. It's I, I, I'm going to hold fire yet on, on, on exactly how seriously we should take all this. I mean, it's going to just vary player to player on how much they value money. And I know that they all do, 
but like Sadio Mane had 650,000 pounds per week waved in front of his face. That's a hard thing to say no to when you're probably not getting that offer anywhere else. So, I mean, Jordan, Jordan Henderson was captain of one of the biggest clubs in the world mm-hmm. and, and, and had spent the all of his career really outside of Sunderland. Uh, the, all the best years, his peak years, you know, he'd become an iconic figure at the club. His exit was very, very un, unseemly, really. And he was happy to to torpedo his reputation as an ally for the LGBTQ plus community for all this money. So you're right. The, it's, the money is significant. It changes things. It's a, it's a powerful aphrodisiac money. So we'll see. We'll see where all this goes. Uh, a couple other things we wanted to get to before we get to the Michael Owen interview. A couple transfer-related things. I don't have anything to say about this other than to tell you, because we covered it three weeks ago, but it seems like the Josco Vardial to Manchester City saga is finally reaching its conclusion. It looks like he's going to be a Manchester City player. So Ooh. everything yeah, So everything we said a couple weeks ago about just how absurdly loaded they are defensively, uh, to the likes of which I can't recall. I don't know that I've ever seen a defensive unit quite like this. Maybe AC players, Milan from 1987 with, onwards. With like th- that kind of depth, though, I, mean, I think they were br- yeah. okay. They were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I'm, uh, no, I know that there were the other, greatest ever. I know that there were other brilliant teams defensively. I just mean that this team could put together like three separate world-class defensive units. It's just, it's crazy. But we'll see what they do next. I don't know if Laporte will be on his way out. We'll, we'll see. Um, any subsequent moves. Um, another rumor, this is far from definitive at this point. It's a rumor that's circulating and has been for a couple days now, um, but it really caught my eye, JJ. Arsenal launching a, a potentially significant bid for Brentford's goalkeeper, David Raya. Um, yeah. Um, which I saw a figure around 40 million uh, is what Brentford are trying to get. Now already Tottenham and Bayern Munich made overtures to try and get him and were kind of scared off by that price tag. Arsenal, I don't know if they're scared off yet. It seems like there's a negotiation ongoing. I just I I found it to be an interesting an interesting possible move for a club that I didn't necessarily think was going to be in the market for a really expensive goalkeeper. Yeah, and just just quickly um Football 365 did a nice little article uh, where they say, as Arsenal line up a move for David Raya to compete with Aaron Ramsdale, the Gunners should remember that they have already tried a two number ones approach and it led them to trying to kill each other. <laughs> here here are five occasions when managers pitted their keepers against each other with varying results. So they talk about Tim Howard and Roy Carroll. I don't, I mean, Carroll, uh, Howard long term won that. He went on to have the better career, but he still had to leave Manchester United. Um, Mark Andre Terstegen and Jasper Sillison. Um, what other one? Jen, yeah, this is the one they referred to. Jens Lehmann and Manuel Almunia, who still hate each other apparently. <laughs> and then one that really, I mean, Dudek won it, but he still ended up being uh, jettisoned from the club. Was Jersey Dudek and Chris Kirkland, hmm. um, Peter Shilton and Ray Clements for England. That's an interesting one where they literally said for the longest time we have two number ones before Peter Shilton took over in the 80s. So, yeah, if if this is what Arsenal are trying to do, okay, I don't don't love how it's going to read for Matt Turner. Mm, um, no, he's got to go. I know there was some talk of Nottingham Forest. He's got to go. Uh, uh, Amer- yes. America's number one is going to be a club's number three? No, what? can't have that. No. No, can't have it. But, I mean, and he'll be so disappointed to hear this stuff. 
because you'd be like, yeah. what, what did I do? You know? <laughs> yeah. But, no, it's, that's, that's really, I mean, for me, that was my initial, like I Ramsdale. Okay, fine. We'll, I'll get to that in a sec, but the Turner thing is what really um, caught my attention is just like, guys, I don't so know good. what he's so good. <laughs> I don't know, but he's got to, he's got to go somewhere. Yes. I don't know what the rationale for this is, but um, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll this will, be teased out over the next coming days and yeah. you know, we see what happens. I mean, Raya, had, he had the best save percentage in the league last season, which by the way, becomes an even more meaningful achievement when you know that he faced the most shots on target of any keeper in the league. Uh, so to have faced the most shots and have the highest save percentage is, is quite a feat. Yes. Um, speaking of feet, he's also very good with his feet, something that Aaron Ramsdale is not necessarily known for. Uh, Raya had 347 completed launched passes last season. So passes over 40 yards. Um, just to put that number 347, is that good, bad? Let's put that in perspective. No other keeper in the league had over 300. In fact, the next closest was Jordan Pickford at just 270. Raya had 347. So like no one has got to be the thinking, right? And, has to and, be. And, and Ramsdale's and, completion percentage on those types of passes, launch passes over 40 yards, was just, just over 25% completion rate, which was 21st among Premier League goalkeepers last season. So not elite in that sort of passing game. And Raya is one of the, maybe one of the best in Europe right now at that. So I have to believe that that's maybe the next direction that Arsenal are looking to take that position. I, if you, we talked about 15 year old JJ, if you'd asked him if we'd be discussing fast completion statistics for goalkeepers <laughs> when I was, when I was 15, that would have been another one that would have been a head scratcher for me. Yeah. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. One other note with Arsenal, JJ, and it's not good. Gabriel Jesus underwent a, what they're what they're referring. They're being very, very optimistic and positive in the the terminology of it. But Gabriel Jesus underwent a minor knee procedure. He's going to yes. be out for at least a few weeks. He's going to miss the start of the season. Mikel Arteta talked about it. He said it, it, it's nothing to really be concerned about. He's just going to miss a few weeks. So we'll see. I don't love hearing that a player is having a minor or severe, whatever it is. It's an operation on a player's knee before a season has begun. Uh, they said he's you been just feeling, don't love hearing that. No, he's been feeling discomfort in it. They said for a couple of weeks, they decided to do this now. Um, and so it looks like once again, it's going to be Eddie and Ketia uh, deputizing in that role, at least for the start of the season. He did great last year. So maybe they're comfortable with that, but, it's Gabriel Jesus. Like you, if Arsenal are going to mount this kind of challenge and repeat the feats of last season, he's he's going to have to play more than he did last season. I would think. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly why they may not do that mount that challenge again, and there may be a fall off. We don't know. Uh, and then finally, one other note here. Just wanted to mention the latest with Harry Kane, Bayern Munich, and Tottenham right now. At the time of recording, it's it's about nine thirty Wednesday night Eastern time uh, here in the nation's capital. And the two clubs, they're still talking. Um, now, Kave uh, Solakal of Sky Sports, he's reporting that if this deal is not done by the first game of the season, then Harry Kane has said out of respect to Spurs and out of respect to the new manager, he'll stay for the full year. Now, that's what okay. Kane's camp appears to be saying. Whether or not Daniel Levy agrees with that pseudo deadline or whether or not Bayern Munich agree with that pseudo deadline remains to be seen. But it sounds like Kane will not push for a move after the first match of the season. But if Tottenham wind up getting, you know, they want 100 million pounds. Bayern right now are somewhere around 81 million, which is a, that's a sizable difference, but it doesn't feel like an impossible gap for the two to, to kind of come together and, and figure this out. Um, 
So who knows if that if that deadline comes and goes? I, I like Kane's professionalism, like he's he's doing and saying all the right things here. Um, but I don't know how seriously I take that deadline. If the club, if Tottenham and Byron both want this to happen, I don't know if Kane's deadline matters. I suppose probably not. I would think. Um, yeah. But yeah, we could we could have a, a big farewell coming soon. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. One that. I personally will not enjoy, but I suppose I'll understand once. And I, I don't it. think Ange, Ange Postacoglu will enjoy it either. But no, but he probably he just needs resolution. Like he needs yeah. to know, okay, what is my squad? I saw a stat, JJ. Like if you're Ange right now and you're looking at this this possible reality, will he be here? Will he not? Um, I think it was who scored. I think they posted a stat. Kane scored forty three percent of Tottenham's goals last season. Like how do you how do you replace that? I mean, now Son had a down year. Maybe you expect him to bounce back, but. Uh, Richarlison, have we seen anything from him so far at Spurs to make you think that he'll manage that gap? I, I don't you know. know Ange, Ange probably wants resolution because he knows the money that will come will will allow him to do the total rebuild that he probably wants to do with but, the club. But when though? Yeah, like, the I know. deadline is is in less than a month. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Such a tricky spot. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's that's the latest with some of those things. JJ, let's go from one. From one great English striker to a former one, tell us about your interview with Michael Owen. Um, it was unbelievable. Friday, probably one of the the hotter days in the city uh, this summer, and there's been many of those. I uh, I went to the Empire State Building. Um, Michael Owen was over with the Premier League Summer Series uh, along with Owen Hargreaves, and um, was promoting. Uh, you know, the Empire State Building is one of those iconic venues and they often get sports stars or former sports stars to come in and they take a picture on the viewing deck. And um, I just asked Owen's people, um, I asked the Empire State Building people, could could we sit down and have a chat? It would be amazing to talk. And he did all the things he had to do. He did his his links for Premier League TV. And then I joined him in the green room. We sat on a on a grey sofa and we chatted ball. Well, here you go. Here is JJ's interview with Michael Owen. Delighted to be joined by Michael Owen in the Empire State Building. Michael, how are you? Yeah, brilliant. We've had a great trip, um, obviously, out here on behalf of the Premier League. And there's been some great football. And then, obviously, as you mentioned, we're in the Empire State Building. So it's, uh, it's great to be able to see the sights as well while you're here. Uh, was America ever an option for you at any point in your career? It was, actually, yeah. Um, towards the end of my career, I got uh, asked to play... Um, for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, so obviously that's Canada, but it's in the MLS. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, just be, I thought you looked at me there as, no, if, you, no, as no. if you'd say this you don't know your geography. This isn't going to end up on some, I got your website. Michael Owen doesn't know where Canada is. Yeah, none no, of that. Geography is... Yeah, and we've got Owen Hargreaves anywhere here who's the resident Canadian. Well, exactly. I almost went there as well, to be fair. Did you? Yeah. yeah so, and and what, what was the reason you didn't end up... I was just at the end of my career and, and I thought for the sake of one year... I've got four children. I've, you know, I, yeah. I've been offered a chance to to uh, to do some TV work. Um, I had business interests. I just thought, you know, relocating and and taking all the kids out of school and things like that. Do I need that disruption for the sake of one year? Um, so decided against it in the end. Yeah, you didn't look at Robbie Keane then later and think, God, he's banging them in. I could have done that. Yeah, well, but you know. You got to stop at some point, right. yeah. and and I'd been given a really good opportunity to um, to work at BT Sports actually at the time, so uh, I thought 
I've got to, if that's the, the, the path I'm going, I might as well get on the ladder straight away and not just, you know, continue for continuing sake uh, with the football. So, yeah, it was, um, that was the decision I made at the time. But part of me thinks, geez, how nice would it have been? Vancouver's supposed to be an absolute stunning, you know, um, city. So, uh, you know, part of you thinks, what if? But no, I was, uh, I'm happy with my decision. Does part of you think, what if, when you see Premier League players moving to Saudi Arabia for such huge <laughs> money this summer? Well, I think, you know, no matter what, you always, you always think at the time, wow, football can't get any better. And we certainly thought that in our generation, you know, um, how can anybody be on more wages? How can the, you know, the, the, the game get even more popular? But it's taught us over the years that it, it simply does. I mean, the, the global reach of it, the popularity of it. Um, and as you say, there's, there's different countries that pop up all the time. I mean, we had the emergence of the Chinese Super League um, a few years ago. Obviously, America mm. has always been there, but feels like it's, it's, um, it's simmering a, you know, and, and about to explode. Um, and now we've got the Saudi League as well, and other leagues around the, the world. So, yeah, it's, uh, football's gone very interesting over the last year or so. Um, do you look at Henderson and think 33... Still a part of that Liverpool squad with two years left on his contract. Maybe there was a conversation where he'd have a reduced role. I mean, he's pretty much ended his international career now, hasn't he? Well, he, there's so many pros and cons for, for doing what he's uh, done, obviously. Uh, at the end of your career, uh, you haven't got much longer left, let's say, at his age. Uh, and if he's being offered a, a longer contract that's going to you know, make him financially secure for the rest of his life and his family, etc., then you've got to consider all these things. Um, there's nothing worse than seeing a player at a club that you know, is either then discarded slightly or not playing or whatever, and you see their powers waning. Um, we've seen it with so many great players over the years. So I don't think there's rights and wrongs. Um, it was probably an opportunity for Liverpool as well, um, even though I'm sure they would have loved to have kept their captain, mm. um, to receive some money you know, for him at that age. Is, uh, is not a bad deal so uh, it feels like it, it you know it's it's a win-win for, for most people but but nevertheless it's always sad to see a you know a legend and a, a player that's done so much for the club go looking ahead to the Premier League season I know it's kind of the middle of summer there's a lot of moves yet to be made but how do you think th- things are shaping up for Liverpool Manchester City the, the traditional contenders yeah I've um I mean, we've been out here talking about the, the Premier League uh, amongst friends, yeah. um, just having a, a drink at the bar and whatever, and we're always talking about it. And you, the Premier League this year looks so exciting. I mean, I know we say it every year, but you literally can make a case for so many teams at the moment. Maybe not to win it, but the top four is just impossible to predict. Uh, Man City look as if they're, you know, they're, well, they won the treble last year. It's obvious that they're the, the, the team to beat. Um, but Arsenal, how they've recruited has been... Very, very impressive. Uh, they were a great team last year, and then they've gone and bought three players um, this this uh, off season to to make them look even stronger. You've got your normal contenders. Uh, Manchester United are obviously getting better and better under Ten Hag. I really like Tottenham's new appointment of their manager, but maybe their team isn't as strong uh, strong enough. But I do like their manager. Does Kane stay or go? I mean, we've got the insider yeah. from Bayern Munich here, who will obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that is the big. The big thing. I mean, personally, if if I was him, I wouldn't wouldn't go to uh, to Germany. I know Owen loves Bayern Munich and, mm. and would talk highly. You of wouldn't them. go. I wouldn't. No, I mean, is this because you were 
and I don't don't take this the wrong way now, but a very singular, self-centered player in terms of being a striker of goals. And if you're in within reach of Alan Shearer's record, he's got to stay in England. Yeah, but I think he's exactly the same. Yeah, you know what? He's not won anything in his career um, as of yet. So, you know, all this work over the years, he could go down in, in absolute folklore. You know, at, at one at the club at Tottenham. Um, but two in terms of the Premier League. Now, if it's Manchester United or someone else that comes in for him, then I can see that staying in the Premier League. But at this stage of his career, personally, I wouldn't be going to a Paris Saint-Germain or a, or a, you know, a, a Bayern Munich. Um, that's just my personal uh, choice. But anyway, getting back to the uh, the <laughs> where we where we diverted um, from, you know. We we look at the contenders. I mean, I think Aston Villa are going to have an unbelievable season this year. Yeah. Uh, Brighton are, are very good. Newcastle emerged last year, and they're not going to get any weaker. Liverpool is a big question mark in my mind. I think um, you know they've had a, a way of playing for so many years, and it feels as if they're going away from that now, which scares me. Um, you know, putting Trent. I mean, Trent and. and uh, Andy Robertson were, were, were the most potent fullbacks and, and creative force in, you know, in the league, that probably in world football. And to go away from that in a way, and then start putting Trent in, in midfield, midfield yeah. it's just a different way of playing. And I thought, you know, I thought they had something unique, and I'd like to see Liverpool getting back to being unique at what they're good at. Um, but it feels like they're almost copying what Manchester City are doing in terms of putting fullback into midfield, etc. So, and then the whole midfield has basically been torn up. It's yeah. a new midfield, so who knows how that's going to uh, play out. And a new attack as well, let's be honest. Yes. Because there's no Bobby, there's no Sadio, and there's no more together anymore. And what I wanted to ask you, if we're going to talk about Liverpool, uh, as a striker, uh, Darwin Nunez, is, is this, was that a settling in season? Do we see better performances for him? Or is this pretty much what we've got for 80 million? I think I watch him and I'm torn. I do... I do give him some slack. I see some of the things he does and think, think, wow. I mean, if he can polish, you know, round the edges, he could be exceptional. I mean, he's very, very direct. He's quick and he's strong. Um, and I see, sometimes I see a little bit of Fernando Torres about him, the way he's just so direct, just straight to goal. Yeah. But then again, he'll do a couple of things. I'll think, wow, that's, you know... Do you he should have been his first touch, even? Well, thing, little things that you think almost should be... But, you know, you go back to when Didier Drogba signed and things like that. People laughed at him, you know, and said how bad his touch was yeah, and all yeah. the rest of it. And, yeah, you, I don't need to say anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He was just an absolute monster of a player. And I do see... Now, I Put it this way. I work on the television. We all debate it. On air, off air, things like that. I would be very, very scared. Sometimes I see a player and think, I've, I know that, you know, I just see it and I feel it and I say it. With him, I'd be petrified of saying, Do you know what, I think it's too much money they've paid. He could bite you in the arse. I think he, I think he could be, with coaching, I think he could be very, very good in the future. But also, what I'm seeing now is something that's very raw and, and needs help, yeah. um, you know, from the, from the coaches. So, uh, yeah, he's one that, that it's very hard to pin down and have a strong opinion on. Finally, Michael, uh, I grew up watching you. I remember you bursting through as a Liverpool fan. Um, very happy memories up until a point, I suppose. Um, moving to Manchester United, but I've, I think I've forgiven you for that. <laughs> but 
when, when you sit here now and you look at it, do you miss it? Is it something like, like do you have that feeling where you wish you could go, go back and start over or, or are you done with it now? Are you happy to be in the position you're in now? Oh, no, I'm, I'm well happy with my life. Um, I don't miss playing football. I miss, you know, to be honest, you know, at the end of my career, I was actually looking forward to getting out mm. of football. Um, not football in general, but just playing. Yeah. You know, when you've, when you've been there and hit the highs that I hit, it's no fun when you're not as good and when your body won't do what your brain is telling it to do and things like that. And you almost sort of... I didn't really want people... I didn't really want people looking at my name and my number on the back of my shirt and thinking, hey, Dad, you told me that Michael Owen was a great player. And, yeah. you know, he's not that good. OK, he's still scoring goals, but he's not that good. And I felt that. I, 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 well, I know it. I mean, my, I was regressing because of the injuries I had, etc. So, yes, I miss being 17 and 18 and 19 and tearing the world up. Right. But I don't miss sort of the second half of my career. In fact, quite the opposite. I was almost counting down the days so I can, you know, retire and, and do other things. Where, where, just because I'm curious, where do you pinpoint the second half of your career? Would you say that was after the cruise shit against Sweden in the World Cup? Probably, but I don't think it was my knee. Well, I know it's not my knee that, that you know, hindered me. Yes, it kept me out for a year. Um but it wasn't, that wasn't sort of something that left its mark, let's say. You know, I wouldn't even know. I could play football now. I wouldn't get an ounce of swelling, an ounce of pain, wow. an ounce of anything out of my knee. It's absolutely perfect, the operation and the, the rehab. It was more the hamstring injuries, really, that I suffered. Um, and then, you know, the older you get, the less explosive you are, the less power you're generating. And obviously I was running on you know, damaged hamstrings um, from early on. So I think you could pinpoint it from, yes, that knee injury. When I went to Newcastle, first six months, I was flying. I was banging yeah. goals in left, right and centre. And then New Year's Eve, did my, broke my foot, came back probably, I wasn't conditioned to go to the World Cup, did my knee on the same leg. So that whole sequence of broken foot, then my knee yeah. kept me out for over about a year and a half and then I'd say yeah the, the, after that the remainder of Newcastle Manchester United Stoke I was probably you know 60% of the player that I was you say that but I have a friend and she was absolutely she's a Manchester United supporter she's absolutely pumped that I was meeting you and has only the happiest memories of, of your time at United but I, I could always score I could score now you know I, I, I know where the goal is I, I'm cold in front of goal I know how to finish um, but the problem, so scoring has never been a problem. And I, but the the thing is, I just had to be a goal scorer. Mm. You know, I, I would link up play, and I'd just get into the box, and I'd just score goals. Which is, don't get me wrong, it's great and fantastic, and I had some great memories and scored some, you know, really good goals and iconic goals, and it was great. But I was far more than that. I was like, I used to, you know. Well, put it this way, I couldn't have scored the goal I did against Argentina while I was at Manchester United. My, my, no. I simply couldn't do it. My body. Well, the League Cup final, you, the goal that you did score, and then you came off with a hamstring. Uh, yeah, exactly. And again, that hamstring was a total detachment, you know, totally detached from, from, the, uh, from the tendon. And that was another surgery that kept me out for five months or whatever. So that, that whole thing, you know, was just... It was, it's just frustrating when you can't do what you're used to do. Let's end on a happy note. Um, England now or England then when you were playing? Um, England then uh, are better, yeah. I mean, England now are a better team in terms of probably got more chance of... You know, Winning something, yeah. But 
you know, I couldn't name too many players that would get into our team. Um, you know, is Harry Kane better than Wayne Rooney? You know, question. But I can't see any of the centre midfield really being as good as Scholes and Gerrard and Lampard and David Beckham and, and all those greats. I can't see any of the centre-halves really being better than John Terry and Rio Ferdinand and Sol Campbell. Right-back, Gary was a brilliant player, but, you know, you could argue that. Left-back, we had the best left-back in the world in Ashley Cole. I don't think any... No. You know, yeah. who, who can, who, who's better than... But they've got a better team, and you could argue at times as well, now a better manager. Um, and we're, we're playing a system that actually suits now, whereas we certainly didn't. Um, so, you know, I think if you're picking a, a, the best eleven, I think more of my generation get into it. I think so. But... Um, that's one for a pub argument, isn't it? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Speaking of the pub, are you going to go to Carrerhurst? Um, is there one out here, is there? Yeah. Uh, Jamie's put his name to a bar on 16 John Street in the right. financial district. Okay. Liverpool bar. So. Right. Okay. Well, we've got a couple of hours before the game today, so I might, might pop in for one. Few I'm not sure I can convince the other lads that didn't play for Liverpool to go in there. <laughs> the likes of Owen Hargreaves and whatever. But. I think one will be all right. It's all yeah. friendly down there. Exactly. Michael, thank you. Top man. Great stuff. What do you get, like residuals from characters every time they, they bring in new business? I was surprised Owen, like I, I know Jamie Carragher and maybe I see, maybe because I, I say Carragher, not Carragher, it threw him off a bit. But Carragher and Owen are great mates and have been, and I presume they still are uh, throughout. And I mean, Carragher was the one that said to him, don't go to Real Madrid, stay at Liverpool. And... um yeah, no, I, I, I obviously have to point him towards Carragher's. If I had longer, I would have said, when you are walking down the street, Michael, and you see Liverpool supporters coming through, towards you or you're in a bar and you discover someone's a Liverpool supporter, how does that make you feel now? Are you comfortable as that you can say you were this great goal scorer for Liverpool? Or are you still worried that the reaction is Judas traitor for joining Manchester United? Huh. I really wanted to ask that question, and I probably should have. But he's such a nice guy. Well, how do you view him? I mean, you're you're well positioned. I'm over the United stuff. That was the um, sense I got from the interview. Certainly, I am. I mean, United fans will point to a couple of moments for Owen where he scored big goals for them. Most most notably, the the goal in the Manchester derby in the four three, the winner. Um, that pass from Giggs, the control, the poke home pass, Shea given a an amazing, amazing moment. A Premier League classic. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with it now. Um, I'm, I, I've made my peace with it. At the time, it was devastating. Really hard to take. Um, and for a long time, he was persona non grata. But I'm, I'm fine with it now. And if you, I, I put on his top 10 Liverpool goals just on YouTube, pulled it up, and the memories came flooding back. They're happy memories. It's not, wow. it's not bitterness. What a play. 18 goals and 10 assists at age 17 in the Premier League. Like, I mean, what what you must have been thinking, what Liverpool supporters must have been thinking watching the early days of that career. And oh. just like, what have we what have we got here? When he burst onto the scene and he literally just exploded, it was the most thrilling time. It, we, we asked exactly this question. Have we we've got the best young player in the world at the time? And he was. Um, I mean, the following season after the World Cup, he comes back and he scores that amazing goal at Newcastle. He picks the ball midway through the opposition half and just beats four or five players, stabs it home and then celebrates what I think was Paul Ince. And, and you're like, this kid is amazing. He's absolutely amazing. 
And he was generally great for Liverpool, despite the injuries that, that happened after he tore his hamstring at Leeds United. Mm. Against Leeds United, rather, at Ellen Road. He's um he's been he was he was still brilliant. And the two the, the, the winning goals against Arsenal in the FA Cup in two thousand and one. Just amazing days. Really, truly amazing days. And um yeah, and it was interesting to talk to him about well, when did you think it, it started like because he always he breaks his career into two halves. The first half he really enjoyed, and the second because of injuries, he couldn't wait to get to the end of his career. Yeah, and um, it was interesting. We we chatted afterwards, and we talked about knee injuries, and because we were both um, we both had the same surgery. Um, and he said, uh, "What did you get?" And I said, "Well, I got a hamstring graft for my ACL." And he goes, oh, "I got a cadaver graft, meaning a dead person's a piece of sinew or." Um, a muscle tissue from a dead person for his one. And I said, how's your knee now? And he said, my knee is 100%. He says, I could play now and my knee will be fine. It won't swell up. It was never that. It was always that one injury that happened that you have, there's like three parts to the hamstring and, and one of his tore completely and was never put back together. So he's always operating at half power in that leg on that hamstring. And it, it changed his career and it, brought about constant injury. Yeah. It's so frustrating, you know, for far different reasons, but sometimes, you know, I think about Deli Alley's career and how right when he should have been hitting his peak, it seems like that's when his career actually went haywire. And up to this point appears to uh, never going to be the same player again. And Owen is similar in many ways, a young player whose, whose best years were pre prime. Like he went, so he went to Real Madrid at age 24 he scored 13 goals in La Liga, La Liga that season. Was like it 16 goals overall? And then went back went back to the Premier League right after that to Newcastle. So when he got to Newcastle, he played eight more seasons. He started more than 10 games in a season just twice after yeah. that, and never started more than 25 again in his domestic league career. Um, you know, like over here in the U.S., people have that conversation sometimes. Like, if I could redo one one career. And remove injuries from that career, who would it be? And you get answers like Bo Jackson, Grant Hill, Derek Rose, like those names get thrown around a lot of careers that were clearly going to be legendary careers that were derailed from Derek that Rose is injury. A very good one. Oh, and Michael Owen, he has to be the answer to that question in this sport. No? Is there another player you can think of? I feel like he's he's so clearly it. Yeah. Um, he's the one that kind of just jumps off the jumps off the off the page for me when I mean, and, and I know there have been, there have been others. Kaka is one as well, I think. Um, okay. And even to an extent, if we could, cause there's two parts to, to original Ronaldo. If explosive pacey Ronaldo could have lasted a bit longer. How, like how would that career have gone? Cause he had to change his game. Um, but Owen was, almost stopped playing like in his yeah. mid twenties. Yeah. Uh, I mean, amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I mean, you you see the quality of goal he scored and his pace, but it wasn't just his pace. His finishing was so deft. It was so deft. It was so clinical. Um, and I, I, I think he's, he's because he achieved so much in that first half of the career. He's comfortable, Andrew, with what he did. And he's kind of in a place where, Talking to him, at least he's like, "There's nothing I could have done with the second half. It was what it was." Uh-huh. I think I think he would have liked to have changed circumstances at Newcastle. He's not loved up there, um, particularly with the book that came out where he said, "You know, like just 
I just wanted to get out of there. I, I like, I, I didn't want to be there. Um, and his subsequent falling out with Alan Shearer, the stuff he, stuff he talked about England was interesting. Yeah. So I wanted to get to that too. Um, you, it was a great topic, a great road that you went down about his England versus today's England. Yeah. Golden generation versus, um, Southgate's boys. Yeah. Um, do you agree with him that if you pit the two against one another, talent for talent, it's no contest, but for whatever reason, the the success of the two does not necessarily align with the, the talent. Is I, he right I, that his generation is is far superior from that perspective? I I think there's, I mean, Harry Kane, Wayne Rooney, all around Wayne Rooney's probably a better better footballer, but he's not a better goal scorer than Harry Kane. Just isn't, uh, not in my opinion anyway. And um, he, so he he listed names, Andrew and and Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes, like they do stand out. I know, but that was dis- that midfield was absolutely dysfunctional. It never were to the point where Sven Joran Eriksson was then putting. The captain, David Beckham, into centre midfield, taking him from the right-hand side and put him in centre midfield. And that was awful too. I mean, this was a golden generation team that went to Belfast and lost 1-0 in a World Cup qualifier. I mean, they were they were capable of playing some turgid football. They didn't qualify uh, for the Euros in 2008. Yeah. Like yeah. all those guys were in their prime. <laughs> they were still there. Yeah, yeah, they were still there. So, didn't qualify. And I think... Just on the midfield, because he, he talked about Gary Neville. Gary Neville was a fine footballer of his generation, but like, who's the England right back now, Andrew? What Trent? Well, no, well, no, it wouldn't be Trent. Well, Trent's a better footballer than Neville. He's not probably not a defender, but like, wouldn't um, who'd slot Tri- in there? Now? Trippier. I guess. Trippier. Trippier's better than Neville. I guess they like, do um, different things. Yeah, and I mean that. that if, posi- if, if, I feel like that position has changed also. If you it, that that is true, it has changed. Um, but I I would go as far as to say that in terms of like Kyle Walker. Well, we know Kyle Walker sometimes plays as the third centre back for England, etc. But like say Kyle Walker or Gary Neville, who you haven't honestly now. Kyle Walker. Uh, that's what I would say. A hundred percent. So you know that was the one quibble there. I agree with him on a lot of things, but in midfield, it was dysfunctional. And, and you can't say England's midfield doesn't function now. And probably, if you were to take, okay, Scholes, brilliant player, very technical, very good. Jared and Lampard, almost like auxiliary strikers in their career. So much of their game was about goals. If you were to take Jude Bellingham, he might be better than all of them in terms of being a pure out-and-out midfielder. Um. And I'm, I'm not talking about a goal scorer. I'm not talking well, about, you know, yeah. a crap. But we're, we're still, I know he was in the World Cup, but we're still kind of on the doorstep of that England career. We are. We are. That's true. And I should probably shouldn't heap that on. So name name recognition, Um, Michael Owen's team is far ahead. Like in terms of what we would, the term we use, we bandy about legends, right? But in terms of being a cohesive, uh, functioning team, Southgate's is far ahead. Like Sven never really got that. So the, I mean, is Michael Owen essentially making the, like Gareth Southgate is one of the great punching bags. It feels like of English football is Owen in this conversation, making the case for why Southgate probably deserves a lot more credit than he, than he receives. 
I, I think, I mean, he might be. You see, there's always this unknown that's out there because we're always asking, what if he let the shackles off? So we don't know what that looks like. You know, start Jack Grealish, uh -huh. um, play three up front. Uh, and he's just too, he's way more pragmatic than that. And he's, he's, he's way more fearful of a manager. Um, whereas Sven was, Sven seemed very under pressure from what was then a tabloid media at its feral height, at its absolute height. And they, they wanted all the best players in the team all the time. So if, if, if Jack Grealish was around at that time, clamor for him to be in the squad would have been absolutely, pressure would have been huge. And, um, and that's what led to, to Sven doing things like playing Paul Scholes in a kind of an inside or a wide left, left-sided midfield position in a 4-4-2. Just nonsense, like. Yeah. Absolute and, you know, nonsense. Michael, he, he didn't bring it up in the interview, but the other thing you hear about that kind of railroaded that era is that you often hear the term clicky, that, that yes. there were clicks. Um, Southgate, there was a Chelsea click. There was a Liverpool click. There was yeah. an Arsenal click. There was a big United click. It feels and, like Southgate has done all of the things. Like he's he's aware, I think that 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 undermined a potentially you know uh, transcendent generation of of English football. He has made sure that that will not infiltrate this version of England. Now, no, maybe, maybe some of it is him. Maybe some of it is just down to the type of guys that happen. Like <laughs> they just happen to be like this. Maybe it's just like a, a friendlier. No, bunch it's totally of changed. It's totally changed. Like Arsenal and United hated each other. Gary Neville, Frank Lampard would talk about how the teams, when they go on England duty, they wouldn't mix with each other. Like not, not like they'd, they'd, had the, they'd all stay in their cliques, in their pockets. And now, like even in, a, in the white heat of a battle between Liverpool and Manchester City, like the, the, all the players seem to just get along. They know each other. There's no, it's not as nasty. Yeah. It's just not at that level. Wasn't it Danny um, Higginbotham that we talked about that with last year where I think it was him where we said just how does it, does it matter or not? Is it overrated this idea that a team needs to get along to succeed? And I think it was him that said that is not overrated at a tournament setting when guys are essentially living together for a month or whatever, or, or more because of the, the weeks leading up. He said, it is not, that is not an overrated thing. It's hugely important to the success of a team. Which I found interesting because I always I always felt that way, but there was part of me that's kind of like, eh, I don't know. If we're if we've all got the common goal of winning and yeah. we're professionals, does it really matter if we're friends? There seems to be a thought out there that it it does matter, and yeah. maybe that's that's one of the key differences with England then versus England now. I I would uh, I think I agree with that. Um, I I have to make an apology. Owen Hargreaves is in the room with us. And, so, uh, so explain the thought process to completely ignoring another great Premier League player of the not so distant past. What, what was going well, through your head? There? Well, I don't know if he was ever a Premier League great, but he was certainly a, like he was okay, on his true. way to being a Bayern Munich great. Yeah. Um. And you know, played for England. He was he was a quality footballer. He really was. Played 145 times for Bayern Munich, and yeah. Um, it was one of those where I didn't know he was going to be there. Everybody was asking me who he was. Like there was photographers there who were working for who 
whoever they work for and they were asking for names and i said oh well that's obviously michael Owen. he's the, the small one to the right um that's manish bashin who was there also lovely uh, manish is a great guy um former bbc and i said that's him in the middle uh, working for the premier league and oh who's the gentleman to the to the to the left uh, that's Owen hargreaves played for Bayern munich manchester united manchester city didn't mean anything to them yeah and so when i went down into the green room i oh, i didn't expect hargreaves to be there so i was kind of thrown and didn't want it to you you know what some interviews are like you know where you ask a question oh, what do you think or oh, what do you think and i i wanted to be more conversational between two people so hargreaves sat there and i i i was conscious he was there so every now and again i was just like as you can hear in the interview i'd throw him a bone or something like what yeah so you would suddenly just mention his name yeah yeah because you just it, and and he was so nice and he like he shook his hand beforehand and i felt bad and i wanted to catch him afterwards and say hey would you, would you be interested in coming on the podcast but i couldn't find him afterwards and because he he left the room and he did i saw out of the corner of my eye he did it quietly he opened and closed the door without what making a, a bang what a polite man oh jesus such a nice guy you know he's i mean he he's on the list too potentially of players who oh my had their God, career yeah. undermined by injury i mean geez he's in his mid-20s also and and his is way worse than michael owens i mean i remember him over in the united states right wasn't he getting where was he colorado there was some place that i, I thought he got his surgery and was over here training yeah. I mean, he went to Manchester United. He played one season there, kind of like half a season, and like that Off was it. Part. His last three years in the Premier League, when he was still in his twenties, over three years he played a total of twenty-five minutes. That was the last three years of his career. Oh Dude, man! I mean, just and then know. he fell out with Fergie because he he City bought him and he went to City on and and tried. The, there was an idea that maybe they could rehab him and and get him back to playing. Yeah. Oh. And I mean, I, like when he was coming up at Munich, there was there was almost going to be this like war of of uh, between England and Germany as to who he was going to declare for, or Canada, or well, Canada. I think Canada were the lesser in this uh, in this threesome at he the was time. Born in Alberta, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was an amazing day, Friday. One of those one of those fun things you get to do when you when you have a podcast like this, I suppose. Very cool. And um, but yeah, again. I I could have spoke to Michael Owen for hours. I hope people enjoyed that. It, he is very, he does not get much love often as a pundit. Um, but when you when you chat to him and you engage about football and particularly about his career, he is very interesting. He's very enthusiastic and he'll give you as much time as possible. He's he's an interesting guy to talk to. And, and I think in the format that we did it in. It was great. Honestly, it could have been it could have been a half hour, an hour, whatever, whatever it was. I would have kept listening. I know well, you love you. you loved the experience. We all benefited from it because we got to listen to it. Fantastic stuff. I'll tell you what. There's still more fantastic stuff. More caught offside uh, still to come. We'll do a little bit of Women's World Cup on the other side um, with some of the interesting things that have occurred over the last few days or so. So more caught offside to come. Don't go anywhere. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Back now on Caught Offside. Um, we were just talking, of course, with a, a Liverpool legend in, in Michael Owen. JJ, I should mention, and we were talking about Owen Hargreaves as well with Bayern Munich, um, be honest, the, the, the 4-3 friendly loss that Liverpool just had to Bayern. I know it's a friendly. It bothered you just a little bit, didn't it? When Bayern scored that goal and stoppage time to win just a little. Uh, didn't didn't bother me in the slightest. Uh, more concerned about the fitness of Alexis McAllister. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody wants to get beaten, Andrew, but there no, we, it didn't yeah, bother there me we go. that much. You, you, lost, you lost sleep, didn't you? Preseason, you know what I? I don't. I hardly watch the preseason games. You know what really gets me going, Andrew? What the content that Liverpool put out, and I'm sure there's other clubs doing it. And if you've got videos, send them on. But the training, the in training camp content, it's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, what, like no con- like the like bonus content of players doing like fun fun interviews and games with each other, or like no, watching no. them actually, actually watching them train. Actually watching them train the small oh, no, games. I, I've got no use for that, and unfortunately, it's it's something that has nothing to do with soccer that ruined it for me. But anytime I would see a shooting coach that was working with him or something, anytime I saw somebody put an off season video of Ben Simmons hitting three pointers up on Twitter, I would lose my mind. I'd say I, I can't, I can't do this again. I'm not getting reinvested in this. Stop posting his off season threes. I'm done with it, and so it's ruined. Any sort of like off-season training where a guy's looking good or something like that, I, I've got no use for it. Show me in the game. I, I just love that. I I'm, I totally sympathize with that point of view from from your angle. I just enjoy watching the 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 way they train, the small-sided games, uh, where they the transition games. They are amazing, and you can see how Liverpool hone their style of play. Like they'll play a small-sided game. The goals will be brought in, and the the defense is looking for a turnover and then they have to go on the break and they break at lightning speed they get shots off and also I love because there's no comment, commentary or anything all you can hear is just the shouts of the players and the ping of the ball you can hear the valve of the ball when the ball's being struck the and what? The, goalkeeper, the valve yeah the ping Ball makes a sound when it's connected with properly I, I'm just not I know that I just wasn't aware of the word the valve yeah, the like where, where you put the air in the ball, where you pump it. it. Yeah, that gives it that ping when it get that ping when it gets hit, and um, and when the ball is saved and when it hits the net and the rigging, all that is just there for you. It's oh, it's lovely, lovely, lovely. That is lovely. That is my stuff. That's what I'm into, guys. Yeah. Uh, if I was um, a single man, and I was filling out my Tinder profile, and I was and I had to fill it out honestly. Here we go. I would. Uh, what 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 turns you on? What are you into? Valve. That's what I'm into. And and freshly cut grass. Oh, the smell of it. The smell alone. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a weirdo. Feel free, people, animals out there, to, to post what you believe JJ's Tinder profile would look like. I'm curious how, how you all see him. Geez, I don't. Mm, did I ever actually take my Tinder profile down? I know that several, well, it was several weeks ago, I believe, you, you mentioned tongue and ear, <laughs> which was a... <laughs> A rare glimpse. <laughs> that one stayed. Oh, with that's me. from the. 
Oh yeah. Well, that's another one, but that's a, that's a different kind of thing. Let's, let's yeah. go on, huh? That one stuck with me. Uh, while we're doing this, it seems like a perfect time to mention that support for Cut Offside is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. So join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code Offside at Manscaped. Dot com. This package, like we've talked about at length, it offers so much. Um, the lawnmower, which is the main shaver, the weed whacker, which is kind of for trimming nose hairs, boxer briefs, which are fantastic and very comfortable. Um, different sizing options for the lawnmower comes with the charger, uh, special travel bag, which, by the way, I, I once again have with me here in my hotel in Washington, D.C. Um, it's a fantastic product. It makes the whole process of below the waist grooming as simple as you as you would want it to be. That's not something that should be time consuming or require much cleanup or be dangerous in other ways as we as we've cataloged our various <laughs> incidents with scissors and such. No, no, no. It should never be that difficult. This product makes it so easy. Um couldn't recommend it more. We both used it. It's fantastic. So get twenty percent off. Yeah. And some of the animals are using it. Like I'm, I'm seeing people post about how they're going, go get that 20% off, go get that stuff and feel confident that your junk is in the best shape it's ever been in. Absolutely. And I like that the animals are keeping us in the loop of when they're, of when they're shaving themselves in that way. It's important I that need, we know that. Listen, I need to know, I, I need to know their, uh, their, their system of, uh, what do we, what's the term for the fancy term for doing all this ablutions? Is it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know that you would know better than me, I guess. You're the, you're the one with the vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, no, hold on. Ablutions. You look oh, it yeah. up. Ablution. The act of washing oneself. Well, is that so, what we're talking about here? Well, no, but it's, I, I guess, I guess it's, I mean, it's, you make Manscaped a part of your, your cleanliness, your washing regime, your, your, okay. your sculpting regime. Well, get 20% off and free shipping with the code caught offside at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code caught offside. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh, let's see, JJ. We continue now here on caught offside. A little bit of uh, Women's World Cup talk. I know we've done so much on the U.S. women, but I did want to get to a couple other things as well. Most notably, Brazil are out. Brazil are out, gone at the group stage. And with that, one of the greatest careers in soccer history, uh, at least internationally, has come to an end. Marta. That's, that is the point, though, isn't it? Because we are in a privileged position that she will still be playing in the NWSL. Right. Her her This was her final World Cup. She let, yes. she let the Brazilian Federation know beforehand, and um, she certainly confirmed it with their... Um, with their end. Uh, she said after the match, it's just the beginning. Brazilian people asked for renewal. It is being renewed. The only old woman is me. And maybe Tamira is next to me. Most of the team is made up of talented girls with a huge road ahead of them. I end here, but they continue. She also talked about being a reference point. Um, she got quite emotional and said, Oh, well, I'm always the one that cries anyway. But she talked about her career as a reference point going forward that beforehand, um, girls didn't, have these kind of role models so like yeah. when you want to aspire to be something it's good to have someone who's climbed the ladder already and now they have people like this oh yeah and, oh my god and, yeah and i mean 
She's 37? Yeah. Kind of thought, you know what? Someone who is as passionate about it as her would have tried to give it, I mean, playing at a World Cup of 41, it's not impossible. Yeah. Um, but No, yeah, that's, that's tough know, if you're not a goalkeeper. Also, even you for, even for them. Yeah. Also, you even know, you, you always have to know when to exit stage left. But um, she's been amazing, absolutely amazing. And uh, it's uh, very, very weird to see the scoreline Jamaica nil, Brazil nil. Uh, Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the game of the of today, this morning, earlier this morning, uh, South Africa 3, Italy 2. That was an absolute cracker. Brilliant game. Really, really fun game with the one treacherous own goal. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, by Marta. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, she never won a World Cup. She was named player of the tournament in 2007. Brazil reached the final, um, but lost. She scored seven goals in that tournament. She's Brazil's all-time leading scorer with 117 goals. Uh, she she was named FIFA's World Player of the Year six times. Five straight, by the way. Um, I mean, globally, like if you're talking about the biggest superstars in the history of, of women's soccer, boy, I mean... Who is it? It's like her, I guess Mia Hamm. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a, she, there's not many names you would say before her, if any. Uh, well, I think she was the one everybody knew before they'd ever watched the game of international women's soccer. They knew her name. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, even in this game against Jamaica, you could see Bunny Shaw of Jamaica was, was embracing her after the game. They were clear, they were talking on the field. And Bunny Shaw talked about it afterwards. She said about Martha, she was my inspiration growing up. She still is. The way she carried herself, the way she played, the leader that she is. I told her that she's not just an inspiration for me, but a lot of young girls in the Caribbean uh, and around the world. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I remember her early years um, as a younger player. She was, I'm not saying FIFA used her, but they probably did. She was always wheeled out by FIFA as an example of, of, of how they were growing the women's game. You had this incredible talent, so um, it'll be weird not having her around. Yeah, such a mainstay. Six World Cups, unbelievable. But just like Messi, who hasn't retired from international football, I should point out, you can see him here in the good old US of A. That's true. That is very true. Um, Other things in the World Cup that have have caught our eye, I know you just mentioned South Africa. I I wanted to just give a a quick shout to um, Australia. Yeah, I, I was so impressed with their... They beat Canada the other day, 4-0. Yes. Um, I mean, if you think about, like, what was at stake there in that game? It was essentially a playoff game to see who would advance out of the group stage. Probably the most pressure-packed match that Australian women's team, the Matildas, have ever been a part of. They're, and they're doing it without their leader and their greatest player in Sam Kerr. Their opposition, by the way, was the reigning Olympic gold medalists. To You know, for Australia, kind of in the face of all that, of all that pressure without Kerr to take Canada apart the way that they did win that four nil. What a, just such a statement victory. And I'm fascinated now by what happens next. Cause I wonder if it's one of those things where they kind of cleared that difficult obstacle and now they can almost relax a little. Um, they got Denmark now in the round of 16, a game, which they'll fully expect to win. They're going to be playing in front of over 80,000 yes. of their own fans in stadium, Australia and Sydney Kerr most likely back in the fold. Don't know if she'll be able to give them 90, if she'll be starting or off the bench, but I would think that she'll play some kind of role. Um, so, you know, just essentially just props 
to the Aussies for for kind of facing down the barrel of what could have been a huge failure and really rising to the occasion. I think it was a, a nice thing for them and, and certainly the country as well as these that those fans are out of their minds in a good way. I, I love Australian fans. So their their journey continues here with that team. And we've got our final group stage games tomorrow, Morocco and Colombia, uh, South Korea and Germany. And the round of 16 will be filled out after that. So far, we know Switzerland, Spain, Japan, who have been the team for me, Andrew. Yeah. Absolutely. They look devastatingly good. They've got the Norwegians, which is tricky. Uh, Netherlands, South Africa, Sweden, and USA, uh, England, Nigeria. Curious about that one, too. England, I wouldn't say stuttering, but not exactly convincing. Well, I uh, mean, playing well at the right time, though, coming off a, a six-goal performance. And Lauren yeah, James suppose. Lauren James looks like she might be, I mean, on a, on a short list right now for player of the tournament. She's been fantastic. When they yeah. needed, with all their injuries, when they desperately needed somebody to step up, I mean, she has she has really answered the call for them. Incredible. And uh, Australia, Denmark uh, makes it up. And then Jamaica waiting to see who they'll have. France waiting to see who they'll have. So it's we're at the business end now, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, it's getting getting serious. That Netherlands South Africa one is fascinating. I can't wait for that. Uh, that that's a that's that, a fun that one. is it, and that 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 could be that could be much closer than we think. Yeah, um, just kind of looking at this tournament as a whole, things that have sort of been surprising to me. Just quickly here, I know I know we spoke before the tournament about the level of play in women's soccer really reaching its high point, and we're seeing that. But I think I think when that discussion's been had, I think a lot of people are referring to the Giants of this game that like, you know, the high end club, the high, not clubs, nations have really gotten great at this. Now it's not just the USA. There's a lot of teams contending alongside the USA, but I think the thing that this world cup has shown us is that this idea of women's soccer raising the bar, it's not limited to just those nations that, that we think are at the top of the food chain. Like I didn't, I don't know that I quite understood how good some of these smaller nations were going to be as well. Nigeria, South Africa, who you mentioned, Colombia beat Germany and have looked great. Um, you know, I think we all, even though they didn't advance, I think we all came away from this tournament really impressed by what we saw from Portugal. Jamaica, obviously, who just beat Brazil to advance to their first knockout stage. Jamaica's manager, uh, Lorne Donaldson, had this quote in talking about, you know, some of these nations that are smaller nations that are not receiving investment. I mean, they're doing this just like... Yeah. It, it, it's really an incredible underdog story that a lot of these nations, women's soccer programs have been able to do this without any investment. And Lauren Donaldson said, cut the bull crap. It's time to step up and support women's football. Uh, and he's absolutely right. And it's amazing. You know, you see how well these, these countries are performing. Just think about what they would be able to do with an actual program that was behind them financially and backing them. Um, I mean, so look at Jamaica. It, yeah. Yeah. Like we, where they, we heard that, I don't know the exact detail, but it's gone. I mean, ESPNFC certainly tweeted out that they, you know, the part of their the monies that they've spent uh, to get to this tournament was crowdfunded. It was crowdsourced. Unbelievable! Ridiculous. I mean, it is ridiculous, and that's not a cutesy story. Look how well they've done. Isn't that great? That should be something that should enrage people. No, it's, like, it's, what are these, it's shameful. Yes. What are these football associations doing? What is FIFA doing? Why don't? Why are teams turning up like this? Um. But yeah, it's um, it's it's been it's been a fascinating tournament so far, um, albeit one that you kind of have to get up real early to watch. Yeah, for a lot of it, for a lot of it, you do. But a lot of it, a lot of times, if you have, it's been worth it. 
There's been a lot of, sure. lot of goals, a lot of entertaining soccer, great level of play. It's been a really, really fun World Cup so far. And like you said, we're only, we're only just now reaching what is typically the best part of it. So still a lot more to go. Obviously, hopefully the U.S., um, hopefully their run continues. I saw Carly Lloyd was trying to kind of explain some of her comments. Boy, she has really, I mean, who, who knew that like midway through this tournament, Carly Lloyd would assert herself as one of the most controversial pundits, not just in soccer in the U.S., but I think right now, if you made a list of like the most controversial analysts in sports in this country, she'd be on the list. She'd be top three or five, it feels like. Well, I, I would have said that. She's absolutely been gunning for this team for, for since she retired. So give her the platform to do it and give her a result to sink her teeth into, and she's gone after it. Yeah. She says the team means so much to her. She says she wants to see the standards of previous generations carried on and carried on, etc. But um, there does seem to be something of a vendetta behind what she's saying because of the lack of clear specifics. Tell me what they are doing or what they started doing that the other generations weren't doing that is now detrimental be specific and i don't think she'll do that yeah i mean look she's gotten close enough where i think you know just the mere fact that she said they they've taken their focus essentially off of soccer itself and are looking at are focused on other things that's that's a big statement i don't know how much more specifics i need than just to hear that okay all right well i i would say that the the optics after the game um some uh, pointed out to us hey the U.S. fans, including friends and family of the players, have traveled thousands and thousands of miles, mm-hmm. spent thousands of dollars to get there. If they want to take pictures and selfies with them after the game, let them do that. And I think that's a very good point. There is another point, though. Some of the pictures of them before the game in the the suits that U.S. soccer were wearing or whatever. First, there was a video of Crystal Dunn and there was video of Megan Rapinoe. Uh-huh. Um, that stuff, I would say, has not exactly been in the zone before a game. I can, I can, I can get some of the way with that kind of stuff, um, and I also think we need to just be a little less arrogant. Portugal were brilliant, absolutely brilliant in that That's game. True, that's very true. So we'll see. It's not over yet. There's been a lot of like, uh, like a funereal feel around this tournament for the U.S., but there's still well, let's a see lot. What Sweden have. Like, You're right. You're right. Um, I can't wait to see. I mean, maybe, oh, maybe for the U.S., it's a case of better the devil you know, because my God, if they know one team well, it's got to be Sweden. That's true. And I'll say this about the U.S. For whatever we think of their performances so far, I right now, they're still in this thing. Um, if nothing else, we can be frustrated, but this team over the la- over this this era, this generation, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. I'm not writing them off yet. We'll see. Maybe that that could be proven to be very foolish. And what my eyes have seen so far in this group stage may wind up being the truth. But until this team is is dead and buried, I'm going to believe that there's always a chance that they can do something special. There's still great players on that team. There's a lot of young players who have not had World Cup experience that are learning on the fly that maybe they needed a group stage like this where they learned some lessons, but they got through it. And so now maybe they're on the other side of it. Um, So it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Um, and I think, you know, I understand the negativity, but I'm still on board with this group and hopefully they, uh, hopefully they validate those feelings because like I said, your eyes have not shown you great things so far, um, but they got my benefit of the doubt. Hopefully that, hopefully that counts for something, JJ. I don't know. I'm not sure it does. We'll see. I mean, you we'll people think you're a sage mind, a sage football mind. So let's see, uh, <laughs> let's see if you're right. Uh, JJ, I got nothing left. 
I got nothing left. I'm in Washington, D.C. There's not a whole lot to do. I don't really know anyone here. I'm meeting a friend tomorrow night, but it's been very it's been a very quiet work week for me. I'm working down here this week. You know, a lot of times people go away on these trips for business and like they they go out at night. It's I'm just kind of watching the bear. I'm going back to my room and, and watching season two of the bear, which is great, by the way. If that's it's, all I did this trip, it would that would be a success. Would you not walk in the bammy summer evening heat of of our nation's capital and and just walk through the historic sites, the Vietnam Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial? The timing, the, you know. of, the timing of my workday hasn't hasn't made that super conducive. I'm working, I'm working, I am outside literally the entire day. Um, the event that I'm working at, I'm I'm at the I've never never been to a tennis tournament, but I'm working to to help produce a show that's broadcasting live on site from the DC open. And um, I'll tell you what, I've never really been a a huge tennis guy. I played a little bit as a kid Um, being like this up close to the action and like, like the access that you kind of have to watching players warm up and practice and stuff. I'm kind of stunned by it. I could, I could get into this. I I just like too many other sports. So I don't have room especially at this like point of my life when I should probably be like pruning the tree of, of that kind of stuff with like two kids. Like I don't have time, but eh, maybe I haven't given tennis a, f- a fair enough shot. I, I could get into it a little bit more than I have. I'm enjoying it. I, I could see you. I could see you. It's bourgeois enough for you for sure. Oh. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been cool. But yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I'll try to get around DC. I've been to DC so many times. I've seen all those things. I do love it's such a fascinating city. So unique. But it's nice. It's nice to do a little wistful walk around and consider the, consider the, the great, the great toil, the great effort, the great intrigue, the great sagas that created this country of ours. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's where I'm at this week. But JJ, this podcast, what a joy! Our thanks to Michael Owen. Uh, he was fantastic. Really enjoyed that interview. And and our thanks to you, JJ, for making that happen. That was really cool. Enjoyed that very called much. initiative, Andrew. Yeah, initiative. you always you you take it. You take that. Next week, incredibly, I believe next week is our Premier League preview. We got a lot Good of work Lord. to do. <laughs> we got some work to do. Um, yep. So we'll have that coming your way uh, sometime midweek next week. Something always to look forward to. One of my favorite podcasts of the year every year where we where we really dive in and get ready for uh, for what is our favorite league in the world. So that should be a lot of fun. JJ, this was a lot of fun as well. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, Andrew. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.